Hi there, my name is Monica Kelly. My guest today is Pastor Greg Laurie, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship with campuses both in Hawaii and in California. It's good to have you. Monica, great to be with you. Tell us a little bit about when you found Jesus. You found him at a pretty iconic time in history. Yeah, well, it was a 1970, and it was a pretty bleak and dark time for America. You know, it was a time of social upheaval, political division, racial conflict. Hey, that sounds kind of like today, doesn't it? <laughs> and uh, it was, you know, it was time that many were wondering if America would literally come apart at the seams because it was this huge division between the young people of the day who were going headlong into drugs. And it, it was a really dark time. And it sort of summarized in a cover story Time Magazine did Around that time, it was a black cover with reversed out red letters that asked the ominous question, is God dead? And so that was the moment I came to Christ because I, I was living it in real time. I was a confused kid raised in a really weird home. My mom was married and divorced seven times. She was a raging alcoholic. And so it, it sent me searching at a very early age for meaning and purpose in life. And uh, and almost through process of elimination, I came to Christ. It was like I knew the answer was not in the sometimes affluent lifestyle of my mother. I knew the answer wasn't in the drug culture that I was a part of. And so I was wondering, where is the answer? And on my high school campus, there were some very outspoken Christians that we called Jesus freaks. And, uh, and we tried to keep our distance from them. But one day I got a little too close and listened in on one of their meetings and heard the gospel in a way that I understood for the first time in my life. And that was 1970. And that's the day I became a Christian. How did you hear the gospel? What was the message that they were giving? Well, there was an evangelist on campus. His name was Lonnie Frisbee. And uh, he was from Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa. He had long hair parted down the middle with a beard. He wore kind of this tunic-like shirt. And in fact, uh, he resembled Jesus quite dramatically. And this guy stands up and starts speaking. <laughs> I'm just a 17-year-old kid. And I'm thinking, well, that, that dude looks like Jesus. And, and and actually, Jesus spoke through him to me. Uh, and in, you know, in the new film that we are, have done that's coming out next year called Jesus Revolution, Jesus, Alani is in fact played by the man who plays Jesus, Jonathan Rumi, who plays Jesus in The Chosen, actually brings this character to life. And Kelsey Grammer plays a role at Chuck Smith. So it's pretty amazing to see this all brought to life again. I can't wait for that movie. And I'm so excited just to be talking to you because you're part of such a, a culture shifting time. And it's funny you bring up what's going on now and seeing young people who are into social media, who are maybe disenfranchised from the church and maybe confused about, well, wait a minute, who is Jesus? What would you say to that person? Well, you know, it's interesting, social media, I was talking to a young couple yesterday at the Apple store of all places, and uh, and they told me they're not using social media right now. They said, we've gotten off that drug. And I said, well, that's a great way to describe it. You know, in the in the late 60s, People were experimenting with psychedelic drugs. They were searching for something beyond themselves. And in many ways, to me, social media is like a drug. I mean, of course, we have drugs today. We have LSD has actually made a comeback and 
fentanyl is taking many lives, 300 a day. But but this sort of escapism through social media where I present a different version of who I am or I'm looking for something out there that drives many people to deep depression and sometimes even to suicide uh, from stories that we've heard. So it's a it's a unique time. And I'm sorry, Monica, I kind of went off on my analogy and forgot your actual question. What was it again? Oh, my gosh. I don't remember. A long-winded preacher gets going and he can't stop him. <laughs> no, that's perfect. Because actually, my question was, you know, what would you say to young people today who are feeling disenfranchised? Okay, great question. Here's what I would say. I would say that Generation Z has been described as the loneliest generation of all. And I would say to them, there is a God in heaven who loves you, who wants to have a relationship with you, and you don't have to be alone in life. And and so I was a 17-year-old kid. I was sort of like, you know, a forerunner of what you would call a nun, N-O-N-E. This is the largest growing religious group in America today, and these are just non-affiliated people that don't have any particular set of beliefs. They're not anti-religion. They just don't have a religion. And that was me way back when. And, And that's a lot of people today. And so what we're talking about, Monica, is not religion. It really isn't. I know people sometimes think that it's sort of a cliche when we say you can have a relationship with God and it's not about religion, but it's really true. It is a relationship with God through Jesus Christ who comes and takes residence in your heart. So look, this is for every generation. It's not just for your parents or your grandparents. It's for you. And let me restate that. He is for you. He is here for you. He, speaking of God, desires a relationship with you. That's great. Thank you so much. So one of the things that you're known for, Pastor Greg, is your love for rock and roll, for rock music. And you've written a ton of books, 70. Is that right? Is that the latest count? Yeah, I never said people read them, but I did write them. It's a lot of books, but one of the uh, most, I guess it's been a couple of years, but you wrote a book called Johnny Cash, A Redemption of an American Icon, and that book has been made into a movie. We're super excited. Tell us a little bit about what drew you to Johnny Cash. Well, you know, I remember hearing about Johnny Cash going all the way back to my childhood. So I mentioned my mother was married and divorced seven times. So she sent me to live with my grandparents for a time. They were Stella and Charles McDaniel from Arkansas. They were obviously quite a bit older. And uh, so I would sometimes hear my grandfather say to my grandmother, Stella, your cousin's in trouble again, referring to Johnny Cash when Johnny would get in trouble with the law. Johnny was arrested a number of times. He never served time in prison. I think sometimes people think he did. They think even he may have committed a murder because he wrote a song called where he talked about shooting a man in Reno just to watch him die. Well, he never did that. But but Johnny did get in trouble with the law. And so it, it was sort of this awareness that, wait, am I related to Johnny Cash? Well, as it turns out, my grandmother, her name was Stella Fowler Cash. And so we are distantly connected. So I'm a distant cousin of Johnny. But I always was aware of him from my childhood. And then after I became a Christian, I found out that Johnny was a believer, and I was always a fan of him, you know, because I think he transcends 
all musical styles. I mean, he was sometimes called the king of country music, but he was really just kind of the king of Johnny Cash music because rock and roll people like Cash, country people like Cash, people that didn't even like any particular kind of music liked Cash. He was a storyteller, a song interpreter, a songwriter, uh, a great artist, and, and really, I think, one of the greatest of all time. And, and he also was an original, an American original. His very voice was so unique. Someone described his voice as the voice of America. Chris Christopherson described Johnny Cash as Abraham Lincoln with a wild side. <laughs> so, you know, we know Johnny as the man in black and, and we know him uh, as the rebel. And we know him for a lot of things. But what a lot of people don't know is Johnny Cash was a committed Christian. Not only was he a Christian, he became an ordained minister a little bit later in his life. He was very committed to his faith. He did stumble. He did fall. He did have lapses and a lot of ups and downs, but but he knew what he believed in and who he was following and always returned to the Lord. So Johnny's career started really strong musically back in Sun Studios. He was discovered around the time that Elvis Presley, Jerry Lee Lewis, Carl Perkins were all discovered. And uh, and he had a big beginning in his career, and then a sort of a slump in the middle and a huge comeback. And I think the recording, the final recordings of his life called the American Recordings, done with producer Rick Rubin, were I think the finest music of his life. So that's also sort of a picture of his spiritual life. He started and ended strong spiritually. So we've got a film here called Johnny Cash, The Redemption of an American Icon. It's been done with the cooperation of the Cash Estate. His son, John Carter Cash, is interviewed in it. That was John and June's son, June Carter Cash. His sister, Joanne, is interviewed. Of course, she knew him going all the way back to his earliest days picking cotton in the fields of Arkansas. Uh, we also interviewed well-known celebrities that knew Johnny personally, like Winona Judd, uh, Cheryl Crow, uh, Tim McGraw, and uh, Marty Stewart, and others are interviewed. And it's really about the spiritual journey of this American icon and his faith. And in some ways, I would describe it, Monica, as sort of an evangelistic documentary. It tells a true story, and, and it unfolds in real time. But it shows Johnny's struggles, his problems, his challenges, his victories, his accomplishments. But ultimately, it shows a strong faith in Christ. You know what I think is fascinating and and wonderful about Johnny Cash, and obviously I didn't know him, but watching, looking over his journey with drug addiction, for example, where he was able to stay clean for a number of years, and then, like you said, had a couple of relapses. But you know, oftentimes we think, okay, once I come to Jesus, I'm going to be good to go. All my stuff's going to go away. I'm going to be, you know, totally righteous until I die. And it's just a reminder that all of us struggle with something. But Jesus is that one thing, that that person of Jesus Christ, he's always there for us, no matter how often we stumble. Yeah, that's right. He's the God of second chances and third chances and fourth and is and forth, and as many as we need, frankly. And and Johnny did struggle. Now, some struggle more than others, but Johnny had a weakness for a certain drug, amphetamines. So when he was starting his career out on the road, and it was just, just really hard 
travel back in those days, getting on the in the cars or in the buses and going from city to city, hours and hours driving, and then you get to a show and you're exhausted. So he was on the road early in his career, and a fellow musician turned him on to, that's the wrong way to put it because it was an awful thing, but he he, he gave Johnny amphetamines for the first time. Now, in that culture back in those days in the 50s, uh, those same amphetamines, those uppers were legal. And, and they were encouraged, you were encouraged to take them, even tired housewives, you know. So, but it became a real addiction problem for Johnny. And he also had issues with drinking and other things. And he would get clean and he would have a relapse and he would get clean and he would have a relapse. So this was his struggle in life. And, you know, it's hard for us to understand what it's like to be a rock star or a country star or a movie star and have constant temptation knocking on your door. That doesn't justify anything, but it does say that they live a life where they're under a lot of pressure and they face a lot of temptation. So they have to stay very close to the Lord, as we all do. And uh, Johnny knew these things were wrong. And the key is he never justified these choices. He was never proud of these choices. He was ashamed of them. But he turned back to the Lord. And and really, when he was at the peak of his musical fame, he used that platform as uh, you know, as an opportunity to tell people about Jesus Christ. Johnny Cash appeared in many Billy Graham crusades. He even had Billy uh, speak on his very popular television show. And then Johnny, after his show was done, went out and created a film about the life of Christ called The Gospel Road. So Johnny was always looking for ways to share his faith. But yes, he had his struggles. But ultimately, the Lord forgave him and used him, and he gave us some of the greatest music of all time. Absolutely. This is your cousin we're talking about. Did you ever meet him as a cousin? No, I, and I'd be a very distant cousin. I came so close, and I'm so sad I never got to meet Johnny. So I've been on the board of directors of the Billy Graham Association for 30 years, and there was a uh, crusade that Billy was doing in Portland, Oregon, and Johnny was singing. So I had this all-access backstage pass. I could go anywhere I wanted. And I made a beeline over to Johnny's dressing room, but he had just left, and he was up on the stage, and then we had to leave right afterwards. And so I missed him, and I just wish I'd been more persistent. I feel like I could have met him if I just made a greater effort. So unfortunately, I never met Johnny Cash, but uh, I feel like I know him because doing the research for this book and the film you know, I learned a lot about him I didn't know. I was surprised to find out why he said he wore black. Well, Johnny actually recorded a song about that called Man in Black. And I think he answered that question. He said, well, you wonder why I always dress in black. Why well, you never see bright colors on my back. And why does my appearance seem to have a somber tone? There's a reason for the things that I have on. He wears black, he says, for the poor and beaten down, living in the hopeless, hungry side of town. He wears it for the prisoner who's long paid for his crime. But I love this part. I wear the black for those who've never read or listened to the words that Jesus said about the road to happiness through love and charity. While you think he's talking straight to you and me. So there you have it from Johnny's mouth, the man in black. I love that. That is awesome. You know, it's funny to think 
Folsom Prison Blues is one of the biggest hits of all time. And, you know, a lot of people think that Johnny Cash killed somebody or that he served time in Folsom Prison. And it was actually just a string of, and correct me if I'm wrong, a string of petty crimes. And he only spent like one night in jail at a time. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, that's true. Yeah. he Johnny was not really a criminal, but Johnny got in trouble with the law. And it was over these amphetamines and over things that happened to him as a result of them. And so, but he had, but I think it caused him to have a real compassion for the man or the woman who struggles with addiction or has found themselves incarcerated. But Johnny said that the reason he did those famous prison concerts was because of his faith in Christ. And he wanted to bring hope. He sang gospel songs in those uh, concerts as well. Sometimes people aren't aware of that. Uh, They know about his song, A Boy Named Sue, and others that he sang. But he also sang about his faith in Christ in those settings. So, you know, Johnny was a really different kind of guy. He was, um, you know, some Christians thought he was too sinful. And sinful people thought he was a real committed Christian. (laughs) And the reality is he was both. He was a Christian who was sinful. In other words, he was like you and he was like me. Uh, His sister Joanne once said of him, uh, Johnny's like two people. Johnny's the good one, but cash causes all the trouble, right? So it's that dual nature we all deal with. Uh, Paul the Apostle talked about it in Romans chapter 7 when he said, the good I want to do, I don't do. The bad I don't want to do, I do. You know, who will deliver me from this? This is the the struggle of the follower of Christ. And, And Johnny had that struggle too. I do believe that he always ultimately turned to the Lord and wanted to help others turn to the Lord. Back in, I think it was 1995, I was not saved. And my life was probably looking a lot more like Johnny Cash's life looked back then. And I ended up at a Harvest Crusade in Sacramento. It was DC Talk and Billy Graham. Wow. Well, yes, you know, I remember those concerts well. I was uh, with Billy at that time uh, when he was starting to use bands like DC Talk and Michael W. Smith and others. And uh, yes, so I was probably at that same event that you were at, Monica. And that's fantastic. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. And I also think it's amazing that you, as I think of you as an evangelist, I think of you as somebody who's spread the gospel all over the world. And here Johnny Cash was doing the same thing in an unorthodox way, in a way that would probably meet or, I don't know, connect with people who were in prison, connect with the everyman in a way that maybe a regular pastor couldn't. Yeah, no question. Yeah, you know, because he was kind of a rebellious figure. It comes as a shock to some people that Johnny was even a Christian, but he definitely was. But, you know, he didn't live a perfect life. And, you know, by his own admission, he made a lot of mistakes, but but he did want to take this talent God gave him and use it for his glory. When Johnny first started out in music and he went to Sam Phillips, who also produced Elvis Presley, he said, I want to be a gospel singer. And Sam said, hey, man, no one wants to listen to gospel music. So Johnny did other songs, and that made him a star like Cry, 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 Hey Porter, Ring of Fire, I Walk the Line, songs like that, that made him very popular. But but in the later part of his career, especially in his songs with Rick Rubin, 
uh, he he did a lot of really overt songs about his faith. And, and in the middle of his career, he did this as well. But Billy thought enough of Johnny to feature him on his crusade platform. And Billy came under some criticism for that. Like, why would you have a guy like Johnny Cash up there? Well, Billy saw that Johnny could reach people he could not reach. And, you know, that's why we do a film like this film, Johnny Cash, A Redemption of an American Icon, because even as a pastor, I recognize some people would rather go into a movie theater than walk into a church. So that's okay. The, you know, the Bible doesn't say the whole world should go to church. It says the church should go to the whole world. So I'm always looking for creative ways to reach unexpected people in unexpected places with an unexpected message. So when this film is shown as a Fathom event in theaters around the United States in December, I'm hoping we'll reach people that would not have been reached in a church because they wouldn't have even gone into a church. So in a way, we're still taking Johnny's story today and using it as a tool to reach people. People have been saying that we live in a post-Christian world. What do you have to say about that? And how can we reach people for Christ? Unfortunately, I don't think I can disagree with that statement. We live in a much different world today than we lived in even 20 years ago, certainly 50 years ago. You know, in the 50s, we had what you might call cultural Christianity. And in it, uh, in cultural Christianity was sort of the sense that there was right and wrong and, you know, people should be married and raising their children and a family and, and there was more patriotism and this is post-World War II, and, and there was kind of, but you know, and there were problems with cultural Christianity, because the problem was, you could say, I'm a good American, I'm a moral person, I don't need Christ, you know, or I'll get to heaven because I'm a good person. Well, look, cultural Christianity is dead. Uh, not as many people identify as a Christian anymore. It used to be a majority of Americans. That number seems to drop every year. And now we have people who are just completely ignorant of anything the Bible says. They know very little about Jesus Christ himself. So that's the bad news. The good news is we're dealing now with a blank slate. We're dealing with a generation, especially the younger generations, like the millennials and Gen Z, who know little to nothing about Jesus Christ. So that gives us as Christians an opportunity to tell them about a real relationship with God. I don't think they're going to pivot back to, well, I'm already a Christian because I'm an American. You know, again, cultural Christianity is gone for the most part. But uh, so I think that you'll see people maybe build, you know, more open at least. That's all how you start the conversation and you do it lovingly and you do it thoughtfully and you learn to be a good listener and you build a bridge. I can't think of a better way to do this, Monica, than going out and buying at least two tickets to Johnny Castor, Redemption of an American Icon, taking a friend with you that is not a believer, let him watch his film and go out and get a bite to eat afterwards and have a really important discussion about how they too can come into a relationship with Jesus. I love it. Thank you so much for your time, Pastor Greg. I could keep you on forever, but I know you probably want to go live your life. <laughs> <laughs> we are excited about the movie Johnny Cash, Redemption of an American Icon. It's out in theaters just for a limited run, December 5th, 6th, and 7th. So like you said, go buy tickets, bring friends that don't know Jesus, and just see what happens. That's right. Thanks for having me on, Monica. Thank you. You have a great day. You too.